you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Austin Cross. Join me for LAist's new live event series with the James Beard Foundation. We are where we eat. We'll go behind the scenes of LA restaurants. The kickoff event is May 22nd. Tickets at LAist.com events. Studios. We're talking about a time that was pretty long before people began thinking about regionally appropriate landscapes. So people moved here from other parts of the United States, you know, the Midwest, the East Coast, and they were simply replicating what they knew from back home, what was familiar. People are realizing that rather than having lawn, they can have a landscape that invites in the organisms of our native ecosystem, provides their children, their friends, with a place to discover nature and simply enjoy all that Southern California has to offer in terms of outdoor living. This is How to LA. I'm Aaron Stone, climate emergency reporter for LAist. And I'm filling in for Brian De Los Santos today. And we're here to talk about our love for or maybe obsession with something you see a lot but might not think too hard about. And that's the American lawn. Americans' love affair with lawns goes pretty far back, like to colonial England. You know those sprawling, perfectly manicured, purely aesthetic lawns? That's how the elite class signaled wealth and power. And the U.S.'s founding fathers brought that tradition with them here. After World War II, suburban sprawl boomed. And it kind of made the lawn a symbol of the American dream. The pride of homeownership, the cultivation of community, a symbol of home. That started in New England. But as East Coasters moved out West, they brought their obsession of lawns with them. When you look at the late 1940s, early 1950s, people moving here from the East Coast and from the Midwest, big lawns in front of a home is what they knew. So they were simply defaulting to the familiar. But this symbol of utopic suburbia is pretty much a disaster for our water crisis here in California. Lawns serve an aesthetic purpose that really appeals to the human eye. It's a beautiful, simple plane of green with very low visual complexity that is a perfect foil to architectural detail, the intricate plantings. But given our current drought, and the future uh, prospects of increasing drought is a luxury we can't afford. As we all know so well by now, we're in a drought. Yep, even after this season of torrential downpours. Long term, a drier climate in California is pretty much guaranteed. And water guzzling lawns are not helping. Statewide, about half of household water usage goes to outdoor landscaping, 
And to stay looking nice and green, lawns actually require a lot more water than many agricultural crops. So we have to break it off with our love affair with lawns, if we haven't already. As California works to increase our water supply, we all need to do what we can to save water. And one of the biggest ways we can do that is through limiting outdoor watering and replacing your lawn with drought-tolerant plants or turf. In a state water plan released last year, Governor Gavin Newsom set the goal of ripping out 500 million square feet of lawns by 2030. And last May, the State Water Resources Control Board banned watering decorative lawns at businesses, industrial facilities, and public agencies at least through June of this year. That move, if made permanent, could save the state as much as 400,000 acre-feet of water annually. For comparison, the city of L.A. uses about 500,000 acre-feet of water every year. The good news is, in recent years, there have been a ton of groups around the city and the county working to help us as a culture to transition away from the American love of lawns. So today, we went to check one out at the Arboretum and Botanical Gardens in Arcadia. So we're 127 acres. I'm here with producer Meg Botel. Hi, Megan. Nice to meet you. Oh, hi. I'm Richard. We're here to hang out with Richard Schulhoff. I'm the chief executive officer of the Los Angeles County Arboretum. He's a horticulturist and conservationist who's been doing this kind of work for a while, more than 50 years. I was studying horticulture and landscape beginning around the time of the first Earth Day. The Arboretum has been in L.A. County hands since 1950. One of the reasons the Arboretum was founded was to introduce plants more appropriate to Southern California. Now it's time to go on a tour of this incredible spot and check out some of the things they're doing here at the Arboretum to save water and promote sustainable landscaping. Oh, oh yeah, great. we're hopping in the golf cart. Fun. Um, we just but this place is huge. Well, why don't you sit both back, both sit back both here back so I can talk okay. to you both together. Yeah, so go. we're going to take a little ride. Ooh, this is Ooh. fun. <laughs> we're headed to a part of the grounds that's focused on retrofitting lawns to use a lot less water. And you can hear the peacocks calling. Uh, it's the beginning of the courtship season. And, and along the way, we got a little tour of all sorts of drought-tolerant landscaping. So this garden brings together plants from all of those Mediterranean climate regions. And this is a garden that is beautiful year-round, uses very, very little water, because these are all plants adapted to the climate we live in. And we got a little bit of Hollywood history sprinkled in, too. So, uh, I don't know if you're in the General Hospital, but there were two characters, you know, and after a very, very long romance, Luke and Laura finally got married, and that was filmed here, and that was the wedding gazebo. Can you rent it out for a wedding? Yeah, if you want to get, we have better places to get married at, but are you looking for a date? <laughs> I'll just book a date. I'll book yeah, a date. Yeah, the, the proposal yeah, will come. Straight. The spouse right. will come. <laughs> All right, now we're at Crescent Farm. We are in the very center of the Arboretum in the Crescent Farm landscape in the education circle. And around us are plantings demonstrating scores of solutions to saving water in Southern California. 
For decades, this acre of land called Crescent Farm was just grass. And then back in 2015, our governor declared a drought emergency. And we said this acre of turf is the perfect opportunity to create a landscape dedicated to water conservation education. Among this landscape, there are dozens of examples of alternatives to lawns. So this was like one of the most exciting projects of my career. I've been working with plants for 50 years. And we got a sod cutter and we rolled up the turf like carpet. And one of our initial goals was to create a hoogle. So yeah, a hoogle is basically just a dirt mound. But in this case, it's being used to hold water. It's made of twigs and old sod and trees. And when those things decompose, the soil becomes like a sponge and creates essentially a reservoir for the plants. It soaks up water, gives it back to the soil through capillary action, becomes a reservoir for the plants, and also, as the wood decomposes, it enhances soil fertility. But once the plants on this hoogle were established, these are, are almost all uh, California natives, we haven't watered them since. In case you missed that, he's not given water to these plants in nearly seven years. And let me tell you, they're thriving. So it's sort of Ancient German horticulture meets California native plants. Interesting. Yeah, that's amazing. This hoogle is just one of the many conservation efforts on this land, all to demonstrate to visitors what you can plant in lieu of a lawn. This is a, a native salvia cultivar called Bee's Bliss. And as you can see, it's covering the ground beautifully. It's not too high. It's not quite a flat plain of vegetation. But it's really, really lovely, and you can see it's starting to bloom, and the pollinators love it. The bee's bliss is this beautiful plant that grows close to the ground, similar to a bush. It has soft leaves, kind of like sage, and lavender purple flower blossoms. Oh, and the smell is amazing, instantly calming. And this is one of the plants that really supports our native ecosystem, and of course native plants in general enhance the urban ecosystem and uh, support native organisms. Uh, so this is a great, great option. If you want to remove a lawn, put in a, a native ground cover like Bees Bliss. And this uses a tiny fraction of the water a lawn uses. We probably you know, water this maybe once a month, if, if that. Yeah, probably less. There's such a diversity of smell. <laughs> so here's one of the more traditional lawn substitutes, the ground cover, uh, the gazenia. Not a native plant, but if you want to have flowers, you know, this is an option. Budget. These guys have brightly colored orange flower blossoms, though there are types in all kinds of colors. And they have these really pretty sage green leaves. And again, a plant that uses a, a tiny fraction of the water used by a lawn. And there are a lot of others, you know, there are a lot of others to consider. The benefits of replacing lawns with any of the options we're learning about here at Crescent Farm, many of which involve native plant species, go far beyond water savings. In the course of, of launching Crescent Farm, a lot of people were interested in food production. So this is a orchard of climate-adapted, food-producing trees. People are really excited about this because, you know, the typical thing is that, you know, going back to my childhood in Southern California, uh, you know, people would plant uh, nectarines and plums or whatever. But these are trees that produce wonderful fruit with lesser amounts of water. Jujube, loquat, fig, 
And again, this orchard uses a fraction of the water that's used by a lawn. And, and you can have wonderful fruit for your table. Replacing lawns with any of these alternatives also promotes pollination, biodiversity, and just generally a healthier ecosystem. I'll tell a little story. So when we first converted this landscape, we had in a wildflower meadow, we had suddenly all of these native bird species and native insect species coming into the landscape that we'd never seen in such abundance. And the first year we had uh, these white line sphinx moth caterpillars everywhere. There were hundreds of them. And we wondered what's going to eat all of these caterpillars. And then we had some uh, birders who came in early one morning and a nesting pair of red-tailed hawks uh, right near Crescent Farm were on the ground hopping like robins, gobbling up these, these caterpillars. You know, and that's another great advantage. You're not going to see that happen if you have a lawn in front of your house. But if you create uh, an integrated, diverse landscape with native plants, uh, you're going to have this, these exciting, beautiful organisms come right into your home landscape. And you get to kind of like have this relationship yeah. with local wildlife. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's really great. So Crescent Farms was established in 2015, but the Arboretum has been working on this type of initiative to reduce lawns on their land for decades. We removed many, many acres of lawn here, and that's been just going on and on, because when we were founded in the early 1950s, there was awareness that the future held less and less water for Southern California, but it took a while for our landscape design to catch up to that. I just wanted to kind of drill into like cultural ideas of beauty. I mean, it is nice to look at a big green lawn. It's very peaceful. And then when you look at Crescent Farm, I mean, I'm looking at these kinds of wild bursts of, you know, different colors, different types of leaves and bushes and plants. And it's very, very different. I think that there's been a cultural shift and, and people are really excited about growing different kinds of plants and particularly about encouraging habitat in in their home environments and creating places that invite life into their gardens, that they're able to share with family and friends. So I think there's a pivot. It might be happening very slowly, but people are realizing that their gardens are huge opportunities to enrich their lives, enhance the, the quality of, of, of their everyday life. What do you think started that pivot? I, I think it began with 70s environmentalism and there have been lulls but I think that as climate change is putting all of the challenges in front of us, the pace is quickening and people are realizing that this is a direction that we need to go in really soon and probably really fast. So the benefits of replacing lawns where possible are clear on so many levels. But as a climate reporter, I do often come across people wondering, does my individual action really matter? Is the amount of water that my lawn uses just a drop in the bucket? What do you say to people who say, you know, there's so much water use and water waste in the agriculture industry, like why should I tear out my lawn? It really comes down to what sort of contributions do you want to make as a human being? Just because there's waste in one place, does that mean that you're going to duplicate that waste in your own landscape? I, I think the reward of deciding to make a difference in our state's water budget is that you're contributing to, to the welfare, the greater good. And for me, that's motivating enough. And agriculture's eventually going to catch up to all of this. 
we're going to go through a huge transformation in how we use water. And might as well get on board early. So we know why we want to perhaps replace some lawns. You guys obviously still have many lawns here. Yes. Not all lawns are evil. Can you speak to that? We have over 700,000 visitors a year. And these lawns, I watch people spread out blankets, play with their children, simply relax, take a nap, read. These lawns serve our community at a very, very large scale. It's, it's a question of what kind of value is a given patch of lawn delivering? Is it earning the water it's being given? The lawn that we do have, I, as I said, we've greatly reduced the amount of turf here at the Arboretum, but the lawn that remains uh, is serving a great, great many people. That was Richard Schulhoff, CEO of the Los Angeles County Arboretum. That's all we have for you today. Tomorrow, How to LA will be back, and you'll hear more from Megan Botel and producer Evan Jacoby in that episode. It's been really fun for me to help host while Brian's out. I'll be back to pitch in again soon. Thanks, everyone. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.